Welcome to In Class with Miss K. We have all heard the phrase, not all superheroes wear capes. Teachers are those superheroes. This podcast is for those teachers who want their voices to be heard. It's for those parents who want to know the magic behind their child's learning. I'm your host, Miss K, and I'm a high school teacher. My passion for teaching grows even bigger every day. My podcasts take a dive into the real world of teachers. We discuss the world of knowledge, passion, hardships, and the perseverance of our teachers. So, put your thinking caps on as we sit down in class with Miss K. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of In Class with Miss K. I am super excited for this episode because I will be talking to my very first guest. And in today's episode, our guest is Miss R. She is a HISI head teacher, so a HSIE head teacher. Um, she works in the public sector in the education system and we'll be talking all things well-being we'll be talking about issues with well-being types of teacher burnouts reasons for teacher burnouts and most importantly what support looks like when you are a beginning teacher and you need access to support to help your well-being so put your thinking caps on guys as we sit down in class with miss k and miss r for this episode um, welcome to In Class with Miss K. Miss R, how are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. How are you finding the podcast so far? Um, I'm loving it. And do you know what? I think it's it's really valuable, something that all beginning teachers, but also experienced teachers yeah. can really find value in. So I think it's, it's been great. I've really oh, enjoyed listening great. to them. Well, you are my first guest, so that's really exciting. That is exciting. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited. I am nervous as well. You can probably hear my voice, but it's all good. Um, so before we get started, I'm just going to ask you three questions um, about teaching. Sure. Um, so the first one is, what was the motivation or inspiration um, behind you pursuing teaching? Um, I think it's something that I always wanted to do as a child. Um, I absolutely love learning new things. And um, as I grew up, I found a passion and interest in history. So really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed learning new things. But what I found more so than learning new things was talking about what I had discovered and yeah. teaching new people. And, and then, you know, um, as I became a teacher, I guess different forms of motivation and passion came forward. So yeah. working with young kids, disadvantaged kids as well, I think it just, um, I don't know, just brought out um, an excitement and a passion for it. So, yeah, yeah it's definitely something that um, I wanted to do since I was younger, since mm-hmm. I was a little girl. Um, I have family members who are teachers, so yeah. I think watching them as well was um, a bit of motivation as well yeah. for me. Yeah, that's that's like me as well. I remember when I was young, actually my family nickname is teacher. They all call me teacher. <laughs> and I used to like sit my cousins down and I don't know what I would teach them, but I would teach them. <laughs> I had like this little chalkboard and yeah. yeah, and like it was a drive since I was a little girl as well. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you could describe the teaching profession in one word, what would it be? 
<laughs> this is a tough one because I think depending on the day, my word would change. Um, yeah. But I think if I was to choose one word overall, challenging would be the best way to describe it. Yeah. And that's not always a bad thing. You know, there are some amazing challenges. And, and for me personally as well, I thrive off a challenge. So, mm. um, you know, there are some days where the challenge is, is really hard and you, you know, go home and you think about, you know, is this something that I can keep doing? Yeah. And there are some days where the challenge is invigorating and it's exciting and, you know, you can't wait to get back at it. So I think challenging would be the best way to describe it. You know, it's challenging with dealing with emotions. It's challenging to learn how to switch off and come home and be with your family. It's, you know, the thing with teaching is that, um, you know, it's it's new every single day. Yeah. You walk into a classroom and you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, you know, you exactly. you do know your students, but you know you don't know what's happened to them at home in the day or yeah. the night before. And so that's a challenge in itself. Yeah. And thinking on your feet is a challenge. And so I think that would be the best way to describe it. It's it's challenging. Yeah. That was very nicely put. Um, so what is a challenge you are trying to overcome in the profession right now? Um. It sounds a bit strange, but um, my biggest concern is that I will one day become stale in my teaching. And that is something that worries me. So I guess for me, I'm constantly trying to find ways to teach something in a new way, engage kids in a different way. Um, As a leader as well, I guess I'm constantly reflecting on how I can support my team better. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the challenge for me is always trying to think of something bigger and better that I can do, whether it's to support my staff, support my students. Um, And it's it's just something that's always in the back of my mind about, you know, um, growing up, you had those teachers that were always really yeah. exciting and, you know, yeah. always had something great to present yeah. and you wanted to go to class. And then you had the opposite to that, where you'd have those <laughs> teachers and you'd walk in and you'd go, yeah. oh my goodness, when's this hour going to be yeah. over? And I, I guess I'm just always really conscious that I don't want to be that second teacher, yeah. you know, and, and it doesn't matter how long in my career or how far into my yeah. career, I want to make sure that I'm still always that excited teacher that had the passion in my first year of teaching yeah. you know and I think that's probably the biggest challenge for me is just trying to keep things interesting yeah. you don't you don't want to lose your pizzazz yeah <laughs> you, and yeah I am scared of losing that <laughs> do you ever feel like when you're teaching like you just said like you you don't want to you, you don't want your teaching to go stale yeah do you ever feel like as you're teaching you're like oh my god I'm going stale <laughs> <laughs> do you know what there there are moments um it was funny actually the last week with my year eight class, it was a topic that isn't the most exciting topic. And I even said to the, to the class, I, I get this isn't exciting, but yeah. we've got to get through this. So there are moments where yeah. you, you, you are teaching certain things and you're thinking to yourself, all right, how can I make this exciting? Yeah. How can I make this fun? Yeah. Um, I think though, what you also have to remind yourself is that it's okay not to make every lesson you know, yeah. the most outstanding and fantastic yeah. lesson. You know, that's okay. But just overall, I don't, I, I guess I'm concerned about feeling dull about my career yeah. and, and that's not something I ever want to lose. Yeah. Oh, great. So we'll get started. So yeah. our topic for today is staff well-being. And I think it's so important for beginning teachers, especially to understand this because we sort of fall into like this little hole and we can't get out of it. And sometimes there are people out there and I have spoken to a few teachers, a few beginning teachers who don't get that support. Mm-hmm. Um, from their leaders yeah so I think it's really important that we should address this um you know through my podcast because there are, there's not a lot of people that you can talk to 
about stuff well-being and, and I know personally at uni I didn't learn anything yeah. about well-being until you know I went to my final internship and I realized <laughs> um okay well-being is a thing and yeah. I I did have I had an amazing teacher who um two teachers actually who helped me quite a bit while I was on my internship mm. so um we'll get started on that so when did you realize the importance of your well-being as a teacher I think that's a really interesting question because you know, thinking about this, I guess I've always been subconsciously aware of well-being, but I guess I didn't really think about it until probably, you know, my second or third year of teaching mm. in, you know. Um, and I guess I was fortunate as well because I had teachers in my family. Yeah. I, I went into the profession knowing that it wasn't an easy job. It's not nine to three. Yeah. It's not 12 weeks of holidays a year. <laughs> like, you know, you yeah. are working all year round and it is hard. So I think seeing that I went in with this awareness, um, I guess I, early in my career, you know, I was asked to do extra roles, extra jobs. And I was always very comfortable with saying, no, I'm not ready for that. So I think subconsciously there, I already was aware of my well being, yeah. but it wasn't something that was often overly discussed yeah. either. Um, so I think the time when I really became conscious of well-being as a teacher was yeah. actually my first relieving head teacher role. Okay. And it was because I actually started to see, um, you know, I was observing staff. I was observing of what was being asked. I was observing um, their reaction to things. And I think that's where I really became more aware of, of teacher well-being yeah. as well as my own well-being. Yeah. Um, I do remember though, in my very first year of teaching, you know, um, I've always taught at schools that have had some challenging behaviors and things like that. And so I do remember in my very first year of teaching, I had an amazing mentor, an amazing head teacher. And she said to me, you know, you, you will work at either two schools. You'll work at a school where the staff are absolutely amazing mm -hmm. and you are well supported and your well-being is taken care of but the students will be challenging. Yeah. Or you will work at a school where the kids are a breeze, they're very compliant, they'll yeah. do whatever you ask them, but you know, um, you might not get the support from yeah. the staff. And she said to me, you always want that first scenario. Yeah. And so I think that's always been in the back of yeah. my mind, that if you've got the proper support within your faculty, within the leadership, then you know, you know your well-being is well-kept as well. Yeah. And I think like that's such a great way to put it yeah like now that you put it that way it makes so much sense like you know a lot of the time like I know before I started teaching a lot of people were like oh what if the kids don't listen to you and this and that and I always used to be like oh my god what if they don't listen to yeah. me like what am I gonna do but after I started teaching I realized like that's okay there are ways around that if you have that support and it just makes it so much easier absolutely to you know put your head around your students properly when you know you have that support yeah. on the side so yeah um that's great um as a head teacher what do you think is the biggest cause of teacher burnout and why so I think and I sort of already alluded to it I think mm. um a lot of teachers who don't have any teaching backgrounds so, or you know they yeah. don't see it from family or friends or things like that come into teaching with this perception that it might be easy it yeah. might be pretty cruisy yeah. um you know I don't believe university truly does set yeah, teachers up for what they are going to experience yep. in a school. I think that has a lot to do with it is coming in blind yep. and not realizing just how much the workload is, how big the workload is. Yeah. Um, I think the other big thing is that as a beginning teacher, um, 
often people feel like they have something to prove. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they might be, and because they're the most eager, they're the most enthusiastic, they're the first to put their hand up to join a team or the first to put their hand up to, you know, coordinate um, a show or something like that. And it's often when they bite off too much that they can chew that that's where the burnout really starts to happen. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important having that conversation, you know, with, and particularly with any new teachers that come into the school, just having the conversation with them about, okay, this is your job as a classroom teacher. This is your immediate priority. And, you know, you've got plenty of time to do the rest of it. So, yeah, yeah, and I I think that's probably two of the main reasons of burnout. Okay. So... Um, what was your process in figuring out your work-life balance in order to maintain your well-being? How did you go about that? So I think my first year, I didn't really have a work-life balance. (laughs) Um, and I think most people in their first year of teaching will discover that. I learned very quickly though, that that is the way you burn out. Yep. And so it's about finding things that you really enjoy doing and knowing that it's it's okay to do those things mm. and it's okay to switch off and have some time with your family and, and just spending time yeah. with yourself. Um, so for me, it's about, you know, really finding those things that I love doing. So I love to read. Um, mm. So, you know, reading books. Um, I love to bake. So sometimes I'll just, you know, randomly start baking biscuits or <laughs> cakes and things like yeah. that just to keep myself busy. Um, you know, I value my time with my husband and, and my dog. And we often, you know, um, go out and walk and, you know, just be active. And I think that's really important because it keeps you healthy yeah. um, emotionally, mentally, physically as well. Mm. Um, it's funny though because you – learn to find your work-life balance and then somebody else gets thrown into the mix. So, you know, by my second year, I was quite comfortable with my work-life balance. I had it down packed. I discovered my routine. I discovered that I'm an early riser. So, you know, I Mm -hmm. would get to work early and I would do everything I could before Mm -hmm. a staff member started arriving. And then I was quite comfortable and happy with leaving work early of an afternoon because I knew that I had done my time in the morning. So it was really about finding when I worked best and using that to my advantage. I also tried to tell myself very quickly that I needed time for the weekend for myself and my family. Um, So, you know, I would often, the five days in the week would Mm. be work, work, work. And so I would often come home and I would work late in the afternoon and I would tell myself that that was okay because if I do this now, then I would have the weekend to myself. So it was about, you know, sometimes you do have to give to take a little um, and it was just really finding what worked for you. I guess the biggest thing though was when I stepped into the head teacher role, I Mm -hmm. learned very quickly that my routine did have to change again. You know, the workload increased. Um, often you need someone to tell you as well when (laughs) you're just too invested, you know? So there were a lot of conversations that I had with my husband when I first Mm. stepped into the head teacher role where he would say to me, you know, you're, you're not here when you're home, like, you know, you're thinking about work. And so often you need someone to tell you, I think it's time to switch off and that's okay because sometimes you just you know, especially me personally, I know you're the same. We put so much pressure on ourselves and we almost feel like we're not allowed to switch off. Yeah. And so sometimes you need someone to go, no, you can, and Mm -hmm. this is how you do it. So I think now that I've been teaching for a few years and I've been doing the head teacher role for quite a few years as well, I finally have gotten into that rhythm where, um, you know, I'm very organized. I write lists. Mm -hmm. I, you know, make sure I 
work hard in the week so that I can, you know, play hard on the yeah. weekend, you know, and <laughs> yeah. have that time to myself. Yeah. And I've learned not to feel guilty about that yeah. because I've done the hard yards during the weekend. Yeah. You know, occasionally there are weekends, you know, especially around report time where your weekends aren't weekends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, you learn to go, that's okay because I can make up for it here yeah. or make up for it there. Yeah. So I think definitely the balance is important. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It takes experience. And yeah. like I said, it's about finding your rhythm and working out, okay, I work better at the, in the nighttime, so mm-hmm. I'll stay up late. Or I work better in the morning, so I'll do this. Yeah. And until you find that rhythm, it, it is often quite yeah. challenging. And you're right. It does change. And I know that, like I was just going to say that, you know, have you ever felt guilty for taking that time off or, you know, saying, oh, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be relaxing. I should actually be getting this done. I know I I felt that way and I still feel that way at times. Like, oh, no, 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 I I shouldn't have the weekend off. I need to get this done. I need to get that done. And that's because I think that I have to perform at some, at a certain level where I'm not looking after myself. And I think like, you're right. It's about finding your rhythm. And I know I'm still finding my rhythm. And I've said that in my previous podcasts before, like, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to be able to do it straight away. I think it might even take me another year or so yeah. to find my rhythm. And yeah, absolutely. I think it's about beginning to just understanding that that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And, yeah. you know, it's it's so important to not feel guilty. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the biggest tackle that you find. And, you know, I'm quite fortunate where mm. I don't have children. So, yeah. you know, um, I can come home and switch off or I can yeah. come home and, prioritize other things a little easier than you know those that have children and i know that that's a whole other kettle of fish you know that that's a whole other (laughs) ball game when you throw your own children into the mix so um you know and i think that's that's the biggest challenge with teaching is going no that's okay i can switch off Mm. and it's it's one of the few professions where you know um you come home and mm-hmm. your work comes home with you. Yeah, and exactly. that's what makes it so hard exactly. to switch off sometimes. And you know what? There are times where I'll be <laughs> sitting there reading my book and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I should be planning yeah. the lesson or I should be doing this or I should be doing yeah, that. Exactly. And I'm not even reading the book that <laughs> I put yeah. aside to do. I do that too. Like sometimes I'll be watching like TV with my parents and I'll be like, oh, I have to do this. And my, my brother's just like, can you stop? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I need to remember. It's like yeah. a mental list. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so... You said that you get to work early um, yep. in the morning during early riser. You try and get everything done. Yep. So how do you prioritize your tasks at school so you're not overwhelmed with everything that you have to do? Yeah, and this, <laughs> this is really interesting. And it's yeah. funny now because I, I feel like I've been doing the job long enough where I'm pretty confident with prioritizing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I had this conversation <laughs> with a staff member yeah. earlier um, in the week or last week, and yeah. it was about trying to juggle prioritizing and it just brought me back to my first year of teaching mm. and you actually don't realize in your first few years that yes you are allowed to prioritize and yeah. there are some things that you can't get done today and that's okay yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> yes so yeah. um like I said I'm a list person so mm. I make lists all the time um I'm a very organized person yeah. I always have been um yeah. so you know even back at university um my assignments were considered late if they weren't done two days before the due yeah. date so yeah. for me you know yeah. I've always been the type of person that likes to stay on top of things and be organized so yeah. writing lists is a massive thing for me mm. um and then it is it's about looking at the due dates okay so mm-hmm. you know often I'll write lists for things that aren't needed for weeks down the track yeah. and I put them on my list because I think well if I can get through the first thing, few things first and I can get to that, you know, sooner rather than later, yeah. then that will free up my time later yeah. down the track. As 
a head teacher as well. Um, there are so many things that randomly pop up in your day that yeah. don't even fit into your schedule. <laughs> and yeah. so often that list of things gets pushed out the window. Yeah. And so the next day you come in and that list just continues to grow. Mm. So I think what's really important is, you know, always sitting down with someone else, whether mm-hmm. it's someone of the same level as you or someone, yeah. your immediate supervisor, um, because sometimes you do have so many things and you go, I don't know what to do first. Yeah. So sometimes it's really good to sit down and, you know, and I'll often go to my supervisor and say, mm. I've got X, Y, and Z to do. What do I need to get through first? And, yeah. You know, it's about having that conversation about, what's really important, what is needed immediately. Mm. Um, Often, what are other people relying on? So, you know, those things always get pushed to the top of the list as opposed to the things that just immediately affect me. Um, Ultimately, we're teachers. Our number one priority are our children, are our students. Mm. So, you know, if there's something that's going to immediately impact your class or immediately impact your students, that's something that really does need to take top priority. So, and I think that is always something that's in the back of my mind. Um, you know, if I do this over that other task, is that going to impact my students more or less? And I think that's one way of thinking about organizing your time as well. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so great just to know that if you're struggling with prioritizing your tasks or if you have like, you know, like a plethora of things that you need to get done, you know, most of the time you'll find that you don't have to do all of those things to the extent that you think you should be doing it. So I think, um, you know, as a beginning teacher, that it's really important to speak to someone, like you said, you know, and it may not be clear to you, but if you give it to somebody else, they can actually help you figure out, okay, this needs to come first, this needs to come second. And it just, it takes that weight off your shoulders. And even like, let's say you do have to get all of those things done, but just having somebody else go through it with you Mm -hmm. when you're working on it, it's like less, less of a stress. You don't feel as overwhelmed when you do it. Um, so a lot of teachers, and I know you touched on this before, um, a lot of teachers find it hard to just switch off after school, you know, yeah. especially those who are in their first few years of teaching. How do you switch off after school and why do you think it's healthy for teachers to do so? So <laughs> I don't know that I ever 100% switch off, actually, you know. Yeah. Um, and because, I mean, we mentioned it just a few seconds ago. Yeah. Like even when you're sitting there watching TV, you're constantly thinking about yeah. something. Um, you know, my, my biggest downfall is that I have my emails connected to my phone. So, and that's on the one part of me is because I want to be super organized. So as soon as I get an email, I like to address it, get it out of the way. But the downfall to that is it means I don't ever switch off because as soon as my phone goes off, I'm checking the school email and I'm, you know, referring back and replying back as soon as I can, if I can address it right away. So, um, I guess, as I mentioned before, it's really about finding something you enjoy doing. Mm. So, you know, having a hobby on the side, um, you know, whether it be a side business Mm. that, you know, you thrive in or that you really get enjoyment out, Um, whether it's, you know, scrapbooking or, you know, reading, writing, painting, um, meditating. It's really about finding Mm. something that you love doing, something that genuinely makes you unwind and relax. Um, you know, I make sure that every afternoon, as soon as I come home, before I do anything else, before Mm -hmm. I start cooking, before I even start cleaning or, you know, get (laughs) to the marking or anything like that, I go for a walk with my dog and Mm -hmm. that helps me just unwind. You know, it doesn't mean I've switched off completely. And often on the walk, I am thinking about things. I'm prioritizing my (laughs) list for the next day, but, um, just getting out there in the fresh air and getting some exercise genuinely makes me feel better yeah I think what's so important especially as a beginning teacher is that if you are not healthy if you are not mentally 
in a healthy state of mind, mm-hmm. um, you cannot be the best teacher for your students. Yep. And so sometimes you've got to say, no, I need to switch off, yep. you know? Um, and even when it comes to school holidays, you know, yes, the holidays are not holidays as people imagine <laughs> yeah. them to be. You know, we're programming, we're planning, mm-hmm. we're marking. You know, often we go into school two, three times a week. Yep. Every school holiday, we're meeting with students, we're replying to emails, you know, so it's not a mm-hmm. holiday as some people might think. But, you know, sometimes you've got to have that hour or two hours a day yeah. where you go, okay, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go to the shops and, yep. you know, I've, I'm going to do the groceries even, something like that where it's just removing you from that work setting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's especially important because, as I said earlier, you know, teaching is one of those professions where you never leave your work at home, mm-hmm. never. And no matter when you think you've done everything and you've <laughs> yeah. gone, you've completed everything on your priority <clears throat> list, there's always something else yeah. that will pop up. Um, so I've heard, so I've heard advice from, you know, experienced teachers and I hear one of two things. I hear in your first year, try and leave school at least 10 minutes after the bell and go home and switch off. And I also hear in your first few years of teaching, you'll be staying back until five or six doing work. <laughs> so what what do you think in terms of that? So I, I have had people give me advice saying, no, leave school, leave your work, yeah. you know, go home straight away. And then I have people say, no, stay back, get your work done because it'll help you in the future. Yeah. So in terms of switching off, I find like, where's that balance? Yeah. And I think that's really hard, but I think it comes back down to you again, um, you as an individual and finding yeah. your rhythm. So yeah. You know, especially as a leader, I I have no problem with my staff leaving 10 minutes after the bell. If I can see that work is still getting done, you know, that their standard is still quite high. Because I I understand that people work in different settings. People work at different times of the day. People work in different environments. If you sat me in front of a computer screen at five o'clock in the afternoon, Mm. I'm not going to get a lot done. And that's because I know that, as I said earlier, I work better in the morning. Mm -hmm. So to put that kind of pressure on a beginning teacher, I I think it, it is unfair. Um, I think as a leader, all that you can do is really model best practice. Yeah. So, you know, um, if I'm going to be the type of person that does the bare minimum at work mm. and I arrive right in the bell and leave on the bell, mm. but I'm not getting any work done, mm. then you can expect the rest of your staff to probably do the yeah. same thing. Yeah. But if you can model that, you know, it's okay to leave early you're still getting your job done, you're still getting other work done and your standard is quite high. And, you know, you're showing that the balance between personal life and work life is okay. Like, you know, it's not just all about work. I think that's perfectly fine. So I, I would never be telling a beginning teacher or anyone for that matter. Mm. Um, you need to stay back and show me that you're doing this or you need to leave early. I think it comes down to the individual. I think you can offer advice if Mm -hmm. it gets to a point where, you know, I would start observing that no work is getting done yep. and that person is leaving on the bell yep. and nothing's happening. It would be having a conversation with them about, okay, let's prioritize your time a bit mm-hmm. better. But, you know, again, it comes down to individual preference. Yep. It comes down to the school as well and the environment mm-hmm. and that teacher's workload. You know, if um, they're a beginning teacher, but, you know, they're working on a casual basis, is there really any need for them to yeah. stay back? You know, exactly. that's not fair to ask them of that. Yeah. But, you know, if it's, you know, they've got a full teaching load with multiple senior classes and they need help and support through mm-hmm. the syllabus and things like that, then maybe it is a case where they need to stay back. But yeah. I think it's a case-by-case case scenario. Yeah. So I know I've been 
you know, in this mindset before. Um, a lot of beginning teachers are afraid to raise concerns about their well-being within their first few years of teaching. And this may be because they don't want to appear as incompetent or, mm-hmm. you know, not fit for the job. Why do you think that teachers should address their well-being issues without hesitation? And if they don't, um, what could be the implications of not doing so? Yeah, so I think this is really important. And I think, um, you know, I mentioned it earlier that if you are not in a healthy mm-hmm. mental state of mind, you're, yep. you're not going to be able to do your job. Yeah. Um, the thing with teaching as well is that, again, depending on what school you're in, depending on the socioeconomic status and your environment, you are going to be exposed to a variety of things, yep. you know? So you might be fortunate enough where you live or you work in a, in a pretty good area where you know um you know students just put a lot of pressure personal pressure on themselves to perform academically yeah um you might be in a situation where you you work in an area where there are a lot of home life issues for the kids and things like that so as a teacher you know you're not just a teacher (laughs) and i say this all the time yeah sometimes you're a parent you're an older sibling sometimes you're a best friend you're a doctor you're a psychologist you're a counselor you're a mediator (laughs) yeah um you know you're a relationship advisor especially in a high school setting (laughs) um you know you take on all these roles yeah so your own personal well-being is so important Mm -hmm. because you can't possibly give that advice and support the students and your staff as well and colleagues and things like that mm. in the best way you can if your well-being is not up to scratch. Um, yeah. And I think beginning teachers feel pressure, um, especially in um, the schools in in our jurisdiction, you know, mm. where um, for us it's about, you know, in the public education, it's about gaining permanency. Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, you know, and if you're not permanent, then you're just on a, a temporary contract. So yeah. I think... That adds a lot of pressure to beginning teachers. It's mm. about, I've got to prove myself so I can gain a permanent position. Yeah. So I'll take on all these different roles and yeah. I'll pick up all these additional classes because I want to show mm-hmm. that I'm worthy to keep. And yeah. so I think that creates a really unhealthy obsession, yeah. which then leads to well-being being impacted. Yeah. Um, and look, and I remember when I was at uni being told that you won't get a permanent position until you've been teaching for at least seven years. Yeah. You know, I so too, yeah. you leave uni with <laughs> yeah. this added pressure. Yeah. And so you're entering a school and immediately you're thinking, how can I gain permanency? Mm-hmm. And you you realize quite quickly that that's not the be all and end all. Yeah. Um, and that your well-being is more important. Mm-hmm. So I really think that's why there is so much pressure on beginning teachers. You also often beginning teachers are made up of a younger demographic you know mm-hmm. it's often people who've gone straight from school into university have graduated have now come out um, I know I was one of those people mm-hmm. you were as well yeah so you're entering a school with um, you know sometimes you enter a faculty where you're the youngest staff member there and you have all these people who've been teaching for 20 plus years and so you feel like oh my <laughs> god you know uh, how am I ever gonna you know yeah. show that I'm even worthy to yeah. teach alongside them and so again you, you put all this added pressure on yourself mm-hmm. but and I think that's why um, beginning teachers are afraid to speak out because they don't they don't want people to turn around and go, yeah. oh, you know, you can't handle it. You <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be a teacher. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you're, you're quite impressionable, mm-hmm. you know, especially at that age. And you're quite concerned about what other people think of you. And I think yeah. that's why that's such a big concern with beginning teachers as well. Yeah. Um, 
Do you remember learning about teacher well-being at uni? And if not, why do you think it's important to learn about it? Because I know I didn't learn about nope. it. I have no idea what it was at all. The closest, yes. <laughs> the closest conversation we had with well-being, um, I was in my final year of teaching mm. and I was about to enter, I think it was my last practical experience. And the lecturer stood at the front and she just said, um, you're going to be working endless hours. You will not get to sleep until two o'clock in the morning and look around you right now because the person sitting next to you will not make it as a teacher. Yep. And <laughs> I think that was the closest. And I think what she was trying to say was that teaching is hard. Yeah. And that you need to be concerned about your yep. well-being. It didn't come across that way. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the closest it ever got to conversing about well-being. In saying that, yeah. I don't know that even if the universities did teach it, mm. I think like anyone, until you experience it yourself, yep. you're going to think that doesn't apply to me. Yep. I'm going to be fine. Yep. So I, I don't even think it matters. I think even if a uni- if universities did a whole course on <laughs> your well-being, yeah. you might take away a couple of points here and there, but it's yep. not until you were thrown in a school, you were thrown in an environment that you actually realise, oh, I've actually got some well-being concerns. Mm. And I think... Irregardless of what uni does, it's something you will not learn until you are in a school and in that experience. Yeah, 100%. Um, so what are some strategies that you think teachers should use to look after their well-being and avoid burnout? So um, always talk about what's happening. Um, you know, whether it's someone at home that you can come home to yeah. and debrief. Um I find that that personally is quite difficult. I feel mm-hmm. like when you try to talk to someone who's not a teacher, they don't quite understand. Yeah. And often the solution is just don't think about it. Yeah. Leave it alone. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you've had a really bad day yeah. with a class or, you know, a student has just exposed some really traumatic information to yeah. you, it is so hard to switch off. Yeah. So I think it's always important to have a buddy at school or have a buddy mm-hmm. in the profession that you mm-hmm. can debrief with. I think that is so important. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's okay to, you know, walk into a staff room after class and openly say that wasn't a good lesson. Yeah. I think if people yeah. try so hard, especially if we go back to the previous question about trying to prove yourself. Yeah. If you walk in and go, that was fine, that was great, that was fantastic, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't, mm-hmm. you're not going to grow as a teacher. Yeah. You're not going to get the support you need. Yeah. Your supervisor's going to turn around and go, oh, great, they don't need my help, no worries, I'll move <laughs> on to the next person. Yeah. Um, so be confident and yeah. be comfortable with saying that didn't go according to plan mm-hmm. and be willing to reflect, and I think that's really important. So always, you know, whether it's by yourself, just reflect on what you could have done differently or with your supervisor or, like I said, with another colleague, mm-hmm. another teacher – sit down with them and say, hey, I did this, it didn't work, what do you recommend? So I think that's the biggest strategy, talk about it, you yeah. know, because that is that is so important yeah. and that's okay to do. Yeah. Um, and just, again, finding those moments where you, you know, are doing something for yourself. Also, like, know when it's okay to switch off. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've had a terrible day, mm. awful, you know, and 
you come home and you know you've got marking to do. Realistically, yeah. are you going to be performing your best? Probably no. not. Yeah. So, you know, knowing when it's time to go, I, I need to just stop for a minute or mm. I need to take a breath. Yeah. I think that's really important as well. Yeah. And I completely agree. Like talking to someone outside of the profession and I, I've done this multiple times, you know, and I'd message a friend or I talk to like a family member and I'd be like, oh, this happened. And, you know, most of the time I get told everyone stresses at work, you yeah. know, works, work, just get over it, leave it <laughs> yeah. outside the door. But like for our profession, it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard because you are constantly carrying it with you. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's so important to talk about it. And I know and I've done this, I think, about two, three times already where I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, I, I'm trying to push through and everything is falling apart and yeah. I end up just locking myself up in a room yeah. and just staring at the wall for like a full free period yeah. because I just don't know what to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have been, I am guilty of feeling like I'm incompetent and that I need to perform at a certain level and whatnot. And then when I eventually talk about it, I realize, oh, you know, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's not that bad. I yeah. can get through it. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Talking about it is, it makes all the difference. Yeah. And absolutely. when you go back to do the work after that, you know, at the back of your mind, like it's okay. You know, I can, I can get through it. Yeah. Um, so as a head teacher, you you obviously have confidence mm-hmm. in your staff to get their work done, like we mentioned before. Um, how do you address issues of well-being with your staff and what strategies do you have in place to make sure that they're not burning out and that they're looking after themselves? <laughs> so this is interesting because when I was when I was first asked to do this interview, I was very yeah. excited. Yeah. And then I was told, I'm going to be asking you some questions about how you manage your staff's well-being. And yeah. my, my first comment was, do I actually even do that? Like, <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> I actually even, I doubted yeah. my ability to support yeah. my staff and their well-being. Um, so, and then I actually really had to think about it. And I guess yeah. um, the biggest thing as a head teacher that I've realized is that observation is huge. And yeah. I'm not talking about going in and observing a lesson yeah. and giving feedback, yeah. but just being in a staff room and observing your staff, you know, Mm. and you work with them so much that you learn very quickly what their common character traits are, what their current common personalities are. Um, you know, typically if someone's outgoing and, and, you know, quite happy, if all of a sudden they're very quiet, like you pick up very quickly on these behavior traits. So I think as a head teacher, it is so important to be observant Mm-hmm. And you know, constantly checking with staff. So you know, just you know, tapping them on the shoulder and saying, "Hey, are you okay with everything? Is everything all right?" Um, mm-hmm. Making sure that everything is distributed fairly. So you know, I make sure at the beginning of the year when I'm allocating coordinators that every yep. single staff member has the same number of subjects they're coordinating. That yep. there's no too much pressure on one staff over another. Yep. Um, buddying up beginning teachers with experienced teachers. Yep playing to people's skills as well. So mm-hmm. seeing what people's passions and interests are and giving them those tasks and projects because it then doesn't become a, a job for them. It becomes yeah. something that they're really excited about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just constantly checking in with them, having those conversations. Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, I pride myself that in my faculty, you know, I, I really work hard to make sure that it's a safe fun caring environment yeah. but there are those high standard setting yeah. places as well you know so i i would hate to create an environment where a staff member feels uncomfortable coming in and saying i had a bad lesson yeah. you know so i often try to model that you know and i think it's so important as well as a head teacher mm-hmm. 
yes, you have to be strong sometimes. And yes, you have to model, you know, high standards. But I yeah. think it's really good for your staff to see that you're human as well <laughs> and you're a regular teacher. Yeah. And so, you know, there will be some days where I walk in and I'll go, wow, that lesson was really bad yeah. and that's really terrible. Yeah. And this is what I did. And does anyone have any ideas? And I think that's really important because it then it opens up this dialogue with your staff yeah. where they go, hey, it's okay for me to feel like that. Um, you know, I also do other things too where, you know, if it's a really busy time in the term, you mm-hmm. know, rather than holding a regular faculty meeting, I'll say, use that time to get on top of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, you know, I make sure that all deadlines are provided to staff well in mm-hmm. advance. So, you know, we have a calendar in the faculty where I'm, I write updates. So, you mm-hmm. know, uh, if reports are due at the end of the term by week nine, I'm mentioning it in week one. So yep. staff have more than enough notice, more than enough time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, I'm in the head teacher role to offer support. So mm-hmm. whenever I see any of my staff, you know, struggling or things like that, I'm mindful not to, we use the term rescue, I'm mindful <laughs> not to rescue them, but yeah. I, you know, am happy to go in and support them and work yep. alongside them yep. and, and show them how to do things. And I think that's really important. I think at the end of the day, if your staff feel like they can turn to you and, you know, openly have those conversations, yep. I think you are setting up a system to you know really support the well-being of staff yeah do i think that i know all the answers of well-being? <laughs> absolutely not yeah and you know in the earlier question where you asked me you know what am i trying to overcome what's a challenge you know yeah. i'm constantly thinking about what can i do better to support my staff yeah. and there are there are days where i'm like oh <laughs> i could have handled that better or yeah. oh maybe i should have said this instead yeah. of that you know so i'm constantly doubting myself as well but mm-hmm. i think I've just always got in the back of my mind what my mentors told me about, you know, yes, you might work with some challenging behaviors, Mm -hmm. but so long as you create an environment where your staff are comfortable and they're happy and everyone works really well with each other, then Mm. I think that I've I've probably done my job okay as a head teacher. And I I agree, like creating that environment is so important. I remember this one time, um, you know, I walked in after a lesson. It wasn't a bad lesson, but it was just like a, it was like an, ugh lesson and I remember I walked into the staff room and and this wasn't directed at anyone but I was just like oh and I had one staff member who was just like yeah same dude (laughs) and that that just made me feel so good because I was just like oh my god yeah they get it yeah um so just on that do you have an example where you observed a staff member um and then you had to address um an issue with them (laughs) yeah so I wouldn't call it an issue it was not an issue at all um so recently um we have a beginning teacher in our faculty mm-hmm. um and there were some changes in class allocations and some shifts in coordinating and things like yep. that um and so you know i sent an email to the staff members involved just saying hey you know due to some class changes i'm just going to ask some of you to pick up yep. some extra jobs um you know i wrote a list of some things that needed to be done mm-hmm. um so I, I noticed immediately after that email was sent that the particular staff member um who was normally you know a very bubbly person in the faculty you know really brings a really lovely vibe to the faculty was just really quiet yeah for the next few days and so the first day i just sort of let it be you know um I would, you know, how's everything, you know, generally speaking and mm. still notice that she was very quiet. Um, so it, it was the last day of term and I was just so conscious that I didn't yeah. want her going into the school holidays, um, you know, with this unnecessary anxiety or pressure yeah. or anything like that. So, you know, I approached her, I asked her to, to have a chat mm. 
her immediate reaction was, am I in trouble? <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And um, yeah. I just said to her, I'm like, is everything okay? Mm. And I think just by asking those few little words, she just, yeah. you know, unraveled about everything she was feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, she said that she had created a list, but she didn't know how to prioritize that mm. list. And we just talked about, okay, well, what's important, what's not important. And, mm. and you know, funnily enough, what I had written in the email she misunderstood. So, you know, was going ahead and trying to plan a whole term's worth of lessons. And I yeah. was like, are you nuts? Yeah. What are you doing that for? Um, yeah. And so it was just, it was about having the conversation. And so that, yeah. you know, as a head teacher, that's a learning experience for me too. You know, sometimes yeah. emails, yes, are a quick way to get information out there, especially yeah. when you need to get multiple people at the same time. Yeah. But often written communication can be misunderstood. Yeah. And immediately after having that conversation, that staff member's, you know, behavior completely turned around. She was yep. back to her happy self, her bubbly self. Yep. And I could see that a weight had just been lifted. So yep. I think just having that conversation and asking, are you okay? What's going on? Let me help you. Let me, you know, work through it with you. Yep. I think that is so crucial. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. That's a great story. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do though. <laughs> so, and like, look, like I said before, like talking about staff well-being is so important. And the reason why I asked about your strategies and things was because, you know, there could be a beginning teacher out there who doesn't know what support looks like. Yeah. And I think it's so important, you know, to know what that looks like and to address that issue straight away. And I know that I didn't know what it looked like, you know, until I went on my internship. Mm-hmm. And my first pack was also great as well. But just, you know, at the back of my mind, I always knew that, okay, if I'm struggling, this is what I have to do. And there will always be support. Yeah, for me. absolutely. Um, so before we wrap up, yep. um, I have one more question. Mm-hmm. Now, this may require a little bit of thinking, but I'm sure you have it down <laughs> packed. Um, so if you could give three main pieces of advice to any beginning teacher, yep. what would they be? Um, <laughs> so the first one is that you are not alone. Okay, um, good. <laughs> so don't ever be afraid to ask questions and ask for help for that matter. And I think the biggest thing to remember is that every single teacher has started out like you. There has been no teacher in the history of teaching that has come forward as a completely experienced, fantastic teacher from day one. So always ask for help and you are never alone. And you know, sometimes, as you said, sometimes people don't have that support. So sometimes Mm. it does take a little bit of extra searching, but there is always someone out there who, you know, has the same questions as you, you know, there is no silly question in teaching. Yeah. So there is, you know, even if you're hesitant to ask, I guarantee you there's somebody else with that exact same question. (laughs) Yeah. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and you're never alone. Mm -hmm. Um, the second piece of advice I would give is that some days you feel like you're not making an impact and some days you feel like, why am I even teaching? But if you can just change, you know, or or have an impact on one student's Mm -hmm. life, you've done your job, yeah. you know, and I look back on my teaching career and my very first year of teaching, a very difficult year <laughs> eight class that I had. Yeah. And every day I would walk in and I would think, why am I doing this? Why am <laughs> yeah. I exposing myself to this? What yeah. did I get myself into? Yeah. Um, and by the end of the year, that class became my most favorite class. Oh, so, you know, and every single one of those students have a very special place in my heart. Yeah. Um, because I saw them grow yeah. and I saw that, yeah. you know what, I actually helped that grow. Yeah. And that is a feeling that you can't describe. Yeah. So, you know, even in your, if you've 
you know, left an impact on just one student, then you've done your job. And I think that's huge. That's amazing. And the third thing is that um, teaching is not easy. Yeah. It is hard. It is hard. And if it was an easy job, well, everyone would be doing it because we get the 12 weeks holidays and apparently it is a nine to three job. So, you know, if it was that easy, then anybody would do it. So... I think the fact that you're a teacher and you're out there and you're giving it a go says that you're a pretty special kind of person and, um, you know, don't give up because it is, I'll go back to it, it's challenging, but it is one of the most rewarding things that you could do. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Miss Art. It was so lovely to have you on here. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I really hope that our listeners got something out of it. And look, I have listeners who are not even teachers. And I hope it gave them an insight into what our job is really like. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Get a little bit more appreciation for what we have to do. Um, So thank you so much for coming on. And I will chat to you later. Awesome. Thank you. And that's a wrap on my first ever interview episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it and learnt something, whether you're a beginning teacher, whether you're at university or you're thinking of pursuing teaching or even if you're listening just for the sake of it. I really, really hope you enjoyed it and I will chat to you in my very next episode.